Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new podcast called My Friends Review Albums. Essentially, every month I host an album listening party with a group of friends where we listen to an album front to back, top to bottom, and afterwards discuss the album. My name is Andre. I am a singer, instrumentalist, occasional producer, and someone who is in love with getting groups of people together to talk about music. We very much so live in a world that is singles and playlist driven and really not dedicated to promoting albums. And most of the time we are listening to music and consuming it as something in the background. So I wanted to put an event and podcast together that would get a group of people to listen to an album together without distractions and then talk about it. So during each episode, we'll be talking about what we noticed, lyrics that stood out to us, moments that we loved and maybe didn't love. But really, at the end of the day, we are starting to think more critically about how the music is making us feel and what it is that the artist is trying to communicate to its audience. Before we get started, to learn more and to stay connected with my Friends of You albums, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, which is at My Friends Review Albums. And you can follow me individually, which is at Andre Galuban. That's G as in Garage, A L U B as in Boy, A N as in Nancy. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. I was going to say Facebook, but Facebook is almost irrelevant to all of us in this current moment of our lifetime. So do not follow me on Facebook because I will not see any sort of notification. I'm so excited for all of you to follow along and maybe connect even deeper with a lot of great music. So welcome, and here we go on a new musical journey. To kick things off, the first album that we'll be reviewing is Beyonce, the self-titled album. This album was released on December 13, 2013 as Beyonce's fifth album. The release was quite iconic as it was one of the first albums to do a complete surprise release. I am almost certain that scientists say that this album drop shook Mother Earth to her core, consequently causing us all to remember the exact moment of when we heard that the album was released. This album earned a Guinness World Record for the fastest selling album on iTunes. At the 2015 Grammys, it was nominated as Album of the Year, Best Urban Contemporary Album, and won the awards for Best Surround Sound Album and Best R&B Song and Performance for Drunken Love. It also earned the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award at the MTV Video Music Awards and has been declared as the best album of the year by several sources, including Billboard, Houston Chronicle, LA Times. Beyonce is known, to no one's surprise, as one of the best albums to have been released during this past decade. During this discussion, we analyze the album track by track, uncovering what it is that Beyonce is trying to communicate to her hive. If you haven't listened to the album in a hot sec, I dare you to give it a listen before following along with us. Here's our review and discussion of Beyonce. I've actually never heard this album from top to bottom. I am like Me a big who, who hadn't heard it before? Oh, wow, I love that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So thank you, Andre. I'm like very critical of albums, and I feel like a lot of the music industry, like especially with people who are not Beyonce, like kind of like label hits are created to make the label money. And so I'm very critical of like some, I feel that a lot of people who are not writing their own music, like a lot of it's put in as like filler and it's not really intentional. Yeah. So like with this album, because I know that she's constantly talking about like if, if 
few interviews that she does um, about how she creates concept albums and they're like supposed to be listened to from top to bottom like it's an artwork and Solange sort of does the same thing um, when I was listening to this I was like why is it that we're listening like there's a reason why these are in specific order so I like went into like figuring trying to figure out like the story that she's trying to tell and so along with like this concept of love that we were talking about that's like so um, vast. Yeah, and she's she's basically like telling this story of like infidelity and like her struggle, like her own insecurities and her child, and it was, it, it always like um like kind of nods Houston a lot, which is like her home, right? So it's like all these different things, and it was yeah, it was very cool. I think it's funny if you're wearing a lemonade shirt, <laughs> but um, a lot of people no, a lot of people they associate lemonade, which I'm sure you will do when I'm listening up. Um, they associate. You, no, you got to yes. watch. You got to watch that one. Yeah, yeah. that one. You have yeah, watch. but they so you associate Lemonade, her like most recent album, with infidelity and this whole like nobody knew that Jay Z was cheating on her. Whereas mm -hmm. like I think it's so interesting. Like one of the things I wrote was like how this album was written after she gave birth, and it, I, from what I know, it was like a hard birth. She almost miscarried. She had a miscarriage. She went to preeclampsia. It was like a whole thing. So I think that like this album was sort of her finding her womanhood and what it meant to be a wife, what it meant to be like a sexy, like a being after going through that like traumatic experience. And I think that like the order that each of these songs played were important in addressing all of that. It was like, it started from Pretty Hurts of like, I don't like my image. It started from like, I don't love myself. And you know, pretty is like loving yourself is a hard thing to come by. And it was what I just realized after listening to Blue was like, it literally starts with her talking as a kid and ends with her daughter talking. It seems like it's a very like self-reflective album. And she's going through all these different emotions and up and down. Mm -hmm. And it's the album name Beyonce. So it's like, it's just her, like, it's her. <laughs> so do you think the self-titled played a part in yeah, the story really. that she's telling in the album? Yeah, I thought so. I, I, was, uh, I was on Genius the whole time. I was looking at Good. <laughs> uh, Apparently, uh, Kevin, people seem to think that it's about her miscarriage and about how, like, you know, Heaven couldn't wait for you. And that's her way of processing her miscarriage. And that's something that a lot of women need to go through. And it's something that's so cathartic to be able to have a piece like Blue and understand the appreciation that you have for a life that is able to exist when you know that it is so fragile and it's so easy yeah. to be taken away. Yeah. So one thing about heaven, so like a lot of people thought it was about the miscarriage and like I think Tina, her mom, like Nobles, Mrs. Nobles, I think people like, she said that it was about her friend who actually passed away. So what I think is interesting though about that song is so many people can interpret it in whatever they're going through, whether it's an experience of loss, whether it's miscarriage or a loss of a friend or a loss of a spouse or whatever. So it's like that's just goes back to the importance of music. Pretty Hurts. Let's talk about that one. One thing that I like to think about when I listen to that song is so it's written by Sia. Sia. Mm -hmm. And what I like to think about is compare. I like to compare that Pretty Hurts with Chandelier. And I've noticed that there are a lot of similarities between the two, and it's interesting to think about it from a songwriter's perspective. So Chandelier goes, I want to swing from the chandelier. And then the chorus of Pretty Hurts goes, Pretty Hurts. 
is. So it has like very similar constructed, like it's constructed similarly melodically. It's crazy to think like where she came from to where she is now, like starting off as like a beauty pageant, like star search type person. It's hard to make that transition, not only to like an individual artist, but she's like gone way beyond that. And it's like become this like cultural icon. It takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to rip yourself from that while still doing it to the level that she does. Well, I feel like when I listen to Grey Hurts, I can't help but like have the music video in yeah. my mind. And it's just just the whole like concept of her like not fitting that mold maybe. And like just that image of when she was like destroying all the trophies. Mm-hmm. I just remember that from the music mm-hmm. video. Like when she was just like, I'm done with like, I don't know. I, that was just what do you think? What do you think it is like? Is it her body type? Is it her race? Like, what do you think it is that she feels like she doesn't fit in? I'm sure in the pop industry there is a very, especially when she started her like career. Careers. It was yeah. very white blonde, mm-hmm. yeah, and, like, yeah, beautiful women, mm-hmm. and that is not a realistic box to fit yourself in. Yeah. So when you're trying to explore your own creativity, your own musicality within this box, it's impossible. Like, and even within like the Pretty Hurts, it's very, it can be very generalized. Every person can feel like they have sacrificed in order to feel like they have fit in a box in some way. And that is very, universal as a feeling and I feel like that's why it's a good introduction to the album. It's relatable, it's easy to listen to, it's a catchy uh, chorus like Sia wrote it. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a very smart choice as a first song in the album. And I think it's interesting that it starts off with the question like what is your aspiration in life? My aspiration is to be happy and then it goes off into this whole album describing like like ending with blue, like it took right. her what, all what does happiness that. look like right. for me? It took me. her all of that to right. like get to oh, my yeah. happiness. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. blue is such like a it's such a different kind of happiness, you know? Like, oh, well, it's yeah. pure. It's so wholesome. It's not even like her happiness. It's like yeah. happiness yeah. that is family wide. It's like, just it's not even yeah. It's but also like so explored in this song. But it, like throughout the album, she's exploring different kinds of happiness. Yes, like. Mm-hmm. Sex gives her happiness. It's like you're different to love and happiness. There's self-love, there's sexual love, there's Mm -hmm. parental love. A fun fact about this one, so it was first pitched to, I think it was Katy Perry and Rihanna as a song, and they both rejected it, and then it got to Beyonce, who like, she was the one who took it in, and then, yeah. yeah. So it goes to show that it was definitely meant to be a pop song. Haunted. So my question for this song was, what do you think is the like? What is she, what is the messaging behind the song? Who is she saying it's is haunted? What is well, she talking about? It starts off with her as a child. So it's, it's oh, I love yeah. you, Houston. So, yeah. I love you, Houston. Um, I'm from Houston, so I don't know if it's like her childhood that's always within her. I know, like you're always sort of in my back mind in the back of my mind, you're always haunting me, like bringing me back to my roots. It's interesting, she's like, I don't trust these record labels Mm -hmm. anymore. Maybe it's like that struggle to coming up in the business. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the song begins, the the first lyric is, the winner is Beyonce Knowles, female pop vocalist, Mm -hmm. which is like, 
a very regimented Mm -hmm. kind of thing that she really doesn't fit in. And this whole album is her kind of breaking it, like starting with Pretty Hurts and starting with this. And it kind of is this journey of her breaking out of this box into like her own version of what what that is. And maybe this label of being best pop vocalist is haunting her, haunting her in the past, like these previous albums. Yeah. Yeah. It's just trying to break out of the mold. Right, right. I think it's also something that can like, something like imposter syndrome happens Mm. to a lot of people at our age and at her age when she made this album. And I think it's something that definitely follows you as you move through your career you can be haunted by the thought of what if i made the wrong choice what if i'm not where i'm supposed to be what if i'm not good enough and that that can really eat away at you at your self-confidence and at like the being so i think this song is kind of representing her dealing with that um and trying to understand what it is that yeah. Exactly. Also, she is dealing with. Yeah. Like with the imposter syndrome thing, she's like, uh, my wicked tongue, where will it be? I know if I'm onto you, I'm onto you. You must be onto me. Like, I feel like with that, you're like trying to catch yourself being a fake or being. So, I like, really, that's definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I really think that this whole song is her just talking about her experience in this industry. Like, it starts off with her as a child and like how she like that's really the beginning of her start it was her own star search and you know she won that the award i guess of female pop vocalist and then it's really her just like this is my job working nine to five just to stay alive and like uh like these labels like they want to put you in a box and it's sort of like i don't know her navigating my interpretation of the nine to five thing, though, is maybe she's also talking about other other people's experiences of what it's like to be haunted. Like a lot of people just work nine to five and they and can't stay they, and yeah. they can't stay alive. Like yeah. they're barely making their it. haunting is just working nine to five just yeah. to stay alive, mm-hmm. and there's nothing outside of that. Yeah, to live for. Mm-hmm. I also liked their repetition, like all the repetition, because it's like kind of the monotony mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the slow down, oh, right. like you know, halfway through it. Mm-hmm. Kind of gets like to the mental fog of like, is this yeah. all there is? Like, this yeah. is what I'm. Talking I, re- I I really wonder how much this album was influenced by after, because it was it was after she just had her child. How much of it was her kind of after that realizing that she wants to be a, like a different person for her child? Because that's something that a lot of people go through. You know, yeah. it's like you realize all these flaws about yourself that you don't want to pass on to your children, mm-hmm. and I feel like so much of this could. I mean, we'll never know. It's just something that popped in my head. I wonder how much of that was in your head when yeah. she was making these decisions. I also feel like it, like we were talking about how this is like probably the most complex song on the album musically. Like, there's just so much happening. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I don't know if I have an opinion about this or what the, what I feel like this means. Maybe someone else thinks something about this, but I thought it was interesting how the like beat kind of comes in and out but she's always present and it just sort of gives this like chaotic feeling to it that I mean, maybe it is a response to the fact that she just had a child and maybe she feels a little like, how do you balance like motherhood and a career? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like the song is called Haunted and then it's sort of like, there's almost like this masochistic like turn to the song where it gets a little raunchy. 
you want me, I walk down the hallway, the bedroom, the one way, slap me, I'm pinned exactly. to the kiss by, like, mm-hmm. it gets really sort of... Oh, I forgot about that section, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was the first time I was trying to figure out, like, <laughs> was she just kind of, like, reacting to everything that's going on or something? Maybe, like, that's just, like, an escape from... Yeah, that's kind of like a like, catharsis within the monotony. Yeah, yeah. or, like... Like trying to keep all of the different elements of yourself once you have like a new thing in your life. She's like trying to keep what she thought was like her sexy image, her marriage, right. her uh-huh. super polish, all this right. different right. stuff when you have like a child. Right. It's, it's literally impossible. Yeah. The next one is Junk in Love. And I have to say that is one of my least favorite songs on the album. Why? And I just, it, I think it's because of how like basic pop it is and like she like has so many of the songs that the record label was like you need to have at least one. it feels yes. that way and i feel like on this album compared to every other song it's the least explored it's the least experimental and it just feels very basic however if it is your favorite or if it is up there i'm curious to hear why and what it's or what's the purpose of the song on this album I do think it's very interesting, the materials, now that you said it, it's the only song that's like very superficial. Yeah. Like, yeah. Drunken Love as a concept is by far the most superficial concept. It was the one that got the, the highest on the charts too. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, I, I actually saw it as like, the way that I was thinking about this album chronologically, for me it was like she's meeting Jay-Z and like falling in love with Jay-Z. Yeah, I kind of took it as like, okay, yeah, drunk, like you're literally drunk, but also like you are drunk in love, like you're in so much love with this person. Yeah. Drunk on your actual love with mm. person. Yeah. And then I kind of exactly. saw it like a positive and also negative thing because obviously when you're drunk, you don't, it's like it's fun, right? Or like you feel all these like good things, but then there can be issues the next day or like whatever you can do. And then also she says things like, it's like I'm drunk in love, but then woke up in the kitchen saying, how the, how the hell did this shit happen? So it's kind of like interesting of like, it's like, is it negative or positive or both? Yeah. And I was like interested. When she met Jay-Z, he was more famous than she was. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there might have been a superficialness to it, <laughs> yeah. where, like, she was like, ooh, you famous. And, well, like, yeah, yeah. she literally, I mean, she addresses that in, like, a later song. Overall consensus, do people like this song? I'm just I curious. I like it. Like, I, like I do like it. It's compared, not her fate. I mean, yeah. obviously, compared to the whole body of work, I think that it stands out as, like, a basic song. It depends on what hat I'm wearing. <laughs> when I'm wearing my I'm in the club hat, favorite song. Oh, if I'm wearing my I'm in the club hat, it's the only one I know on the album. <laughs> Partition, oh. maybe also Tiger Burst. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flawless. Well, so I feel like for me, Partition is more like the I'm, I'm down here range. <laughs> Whereas like, Flawless is like, I'm, I'm like me with the girls. Oh, like partition, I'm like down. <laughs> and then what's your rocket level? Oh, I'm horizontal, baby. Rocket is like I'm alone and nobody's 
Um, no. Okay. <laughs> I said alone. <laughs> Do you guys know what the reference to surfboard is? Surfboard is a sex position. And it's a sex position that you do in the tub. Yeah, and she's like constantly talking about male pleasing, like yeah. drinking watermelon. I'm watermelon riding on that surfboard. Is semen. Riding on that wood, grinding on that wood. But that would blow. It's like she's taking like ownership of her own, like she's being she's like pleasing him. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Exactly. Oh my god, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's throwing all sides of yeah. what pleasure can look like. No, Rocket is a blow is Do we want to talk about blow now? Yes, so the reasons why it's my favorite, I have an obsession when songs have consecutive eighth notes. It's very <laughs> geeky, but like oh. literally like every song that I love is a consecutive eighth note. And the part that I like about it is the keep me home and keep me going. Like it's just like consecutive. Complex bass line. Yeah. That will always yeah, get me in any song. Yeah. And the harmonic chords. In every section of the song, there are consecutive eighth notes mm -hmm. right here. So, one interesting thing about Farah's production is he has like a signature to his production and at the beginning of all of his songs start with four, like, ba, 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 ba. That's a signature of Pharrell. For here, He does love his little like, two bar intro in the uh -huh. before the real form. Senorita, JT, is like little, yeah. right before everything comes in. We're happy. Yeah, she does do that, honestly. And then it goes into it. So he always has like a four note intro. That's, That's like crazy, I didn't know Pharrell's that. like signature thing of his production. So with Blow, when I heard that, I'm like, well, what is it with Blow? And then I go, and then it goes in. A lot of people are uncomfortable with this song because of like the explicit sexual nature of it. In addition to the lyrical content, what about it makes people Uncomfortable. It's about her, or like her spouse pleasing her. So it's strictly lyrical content. Yeah. And I, I think that's so. what maybe make people. Why else would someone be uncomfortable? You know the part. Uh, na, 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 na. That sounds like a sexual melody. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. What part of the song does oh, that? I don't know what. That part. Like the guitar? Yeah. Oh. I don't know, it sounds like gasping. Interesting. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even notice that. And now that, like, there's... Well, she's her, moaning. All of the yeah. ad libs in this song are very, like, very, like, she's... My favorite ad lib is when she says moaning. Yeah. Like, she gets very yeah. airy with it. Yeah. This is, like, the We're act of, it. like... Currently in it, and we Same don't really. That's like that thing that yeah. we behind the door that we don't really talk about. Yeah. People are very comfortable, or at least okay with, or passive about talking about male yeah. sexuality yeah. and like that type of stuff. But then she's like very explicit about no, like as a woman, like this is what I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought it very empowering. This song was is like very critical to have in this album because it's like. Again, going back to who you are, finding yourself after having a kid, it's like, what does it mean to be a sexy woman? I also thought it was like, honestly, pretty vulnerable to be talking about, like how explicitly talking about having sex, like in all the different ways that she talks about it in the music. It's like, not just like, oh, I'm having sex, but she's being very explicit about mm -hmm. it. I'm very like, vulnerable to talk about that.
can you eat my Skittles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Good. In the middle. So the next one is No Angel. So out of tune. This entire yes. thing is so out of tune. You think so? You do not care. No, it doesn't like it, it doesn't matter. She's, She's so expressive. <laughs> Normally in a song, you start off comfortable to get like your audience knowing what you're talking about, and then you have your chorus, and then you have your verse. Here she like slaps you with like an un sort of like a high range, uncomfortable vocal, but then later she does the same line an octave down. Yeah. Typically in a song, you would hear someone like start in their low octave because that's what's comfortable to hear. Mm -hmm. But her doing this is breaking that expectation of what you're expecting in a song. And it's just sort of shattering what is comfortable, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. probably is why we don't care about the out of tune mm -hmm. because we're not expecting it. I think this song is a lot about like having a sexual relationship with someone that is not necessarily uh, like someone that you are comfortable with yet necessarily. It's This is not like a stable relationship. Mm -hmm. This is like, mm -hmm. I'm quote unquote sinning, you're sinning too. Like we're both here for the same reason. Let's just accept that. And in the beginning, it's that airiness of like, okay, this is happening. Okay, like I'm, I'm getting to it. Okay, I'm, I am, I understand where we're at. And then there's that switch of control of that. I am now directing where this night is going, where she gets to that octave where it's more controlling and where oh she God. understands, like, now it is cool. my turn. Cool. Yeah. Cool. This is what's happening. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense, though. All right, yeah. mic drop, move on. Just <laughs> I feel like one of the most interesting things musically in this song is when she switches to a minor just for like a second. I was going to say that little Because she's usually, you're not angel either, baby. But then later she's like, you're not angel either, baby. Just for a second. Yeah. It's like scary. Yeah. Breaking another <laughs> expectation too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is probably like the most- You <laughs> 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 You may not eat my Skittle. <laughs> Until we get to <laughs> yes. Okay, so the next one is Partition. Fun fact about this. This was at a random concert that she had, and she said just like, that's sort of like a thing. She's very like interactive with her audience in her live shows. I've never had the privilege of going. <laughs> but it's um, like, let me see you, hear you say, hey, Miss Carter. So that's like a little nod to people who go to her live shows. Mm. It's something that they're very familiar and comfortable with hearing. So when they heard that, they were like, that was for your album this whole time? That was a part of it? Yeah. This song has like four sections. So it has the like percussion heavy section. It has the drop, which is sort of like the club vibe. And then it has the melodic part. Yeah. What's the purpose of her showing these four sections in this song? Like why is she going through all of this section musical change? What's the messaging behind that? I was thinking of partition as like a boundary. So like if I'm thinking about that, then it's like maybe like that you're the different roles you play in life, maybe. Or in a I relationship, different, different like different like parts or ways you go through in mm. a specific part of that relationship, the season of that relationship, different seasons of a relationship. I actually think that this song is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think the lyrics of this song is so funny. 
The Monica Lewinsky part is oh, yeah. Yeah. Monica Lewinsky. It's so good. Yeah. Back to the like the partition thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think in the song that I really like the moment where the partition like rolls up and all of there's like the flashing lights in the crowds and stuff and you can still hear them like really, really, really subtly in the background. I think that's like a cool moment of like, yeah, you're shielding out this like outside image. It's like her concert persona, her like public persona mm-hmm. and her like private, mm-hmm. I'm with my husband alone persona. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool. I'm happy to be you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think this song and Rocket are a like a very strong homage to the, the female sexuality and the power that a woman can feel in her own sexuality, especially when she takes charge of it, because a lot of us are taught and conditioned to mm. either act only sexually and value ourselves that way or be shamed for it. So there's a very like serious dichotomy that we grow up with as women that she takes charge of and acknowledges, yes, that like, yes, you can feel powerful, and yes, it feels mm-hmm. good, and yes, it's fucking awesome, like, this is what it and feels like. And I'm more like. of a woman for it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's experience that needs to be acknowledged. So after Partition, we get into Jealous. So after Lemonade dropped, people were like, how did we not guess this after she dropped a track of Jealous? Like, it was just, it's so clear, yeah. uh, like, trouble, yeah. there was trouble in paradise of like, mm-hmm. There's even a line in there where it's like, maybe it's not this song. What I started noticing after this song was that throughout the album, we hear a lot of themes similar to other songs. Like, we'll hear something in one song and it'll be similar to another song. Mm -hmm. So in this song at the beginning, we hear the, uh, uh, like the harmonic minor. We also hear that in, um, yeah, Jeff and Love. Yeah, so that's one thing I noticed. Basically what I'm saying is that like in multiple songs, she talks about similar messages or like similar lyrics, but sort of also bring the album together. Form-wise, like it's more simple than other songs. Like it's sort of on like that sort of, not standard, but like similar pop. It's like a medley of the rest of the album. She's gonna be dragging Jay-Z the rest of it. I mean, he earned it. What a life you must lead to be able to like create, release, like produce songs that are so intimately about the dark periods in your relationship with another also extremely famous yeah. artist. Mm-hmm. They must like, be real secure with each other. Mm-hmm. Oh. They have uh, like, are you like, well, at least now, like, like so, to, like, to be able to go this deep and like still mm-hmm. be together and like, be a still like pretty healthy seeming couple who's like everyone goes through their shit. Think of social media with just like regular fucking normal ass people. Yeah. Everybody likes to put it nice face. So like how magnified is that for a couple who is incredibly famous and mm-hmm. for for Beyonce to release an album like Lemonade, which is like very obviously calling out her husband for infidelity. Yeah. Like yeah, what kind of conversation had to happen before that and after that? Mm-hmm in order for that to be okay with their relationship. Mm-hmm. Especially with children. Like, so rough, yeah. It's so, almost like the like, tenants that he paid just to let her have that album. Yeah. What's interesting about Lemonade is after Beyonce, they were working on a joint album together, which they didn't ever end up releasing. They released The Carters, which was a separate album they worked on after this joint one. Mm-hmm. So this joint album, they were working through it and there were so many unresolved issues that both of them were going through that they were like, you know what? You work on Lemonade and I'm gonna work on 444 and we're gonna each address 
our issues. And Jay-Z talked about this in his, in the, like a documentary with Larry, or David Letterman on Netflix. Um, and he said basically like, Beyonce had to tell her story first and it was her story to tell on Lemonade. So she released that, I released 444, and then we came together again and wrote The Carters, which is all about love. Love. And that's the whole meaning of that album. So like, I think they were very intentional about how they worked through their trauma, their, you know, issues, and it was basically through music. And, you know, I'm sure there was therapy in there, but like, they really were intentional about how they addressed like Beyonce it had to come from her first because obviously like the damage was done to her. The damage was done, yeah. So the next song was Rocket. I think we were talking about this, but Rocket, Blow and Partition have as far as sexuality goes, like they they both have that type of content. However, I do want to talk about she musically showed an orgasm. Yeah, the musical like visualization of a female orgasm is so accurate and like yeah. so amazing in the song. Please say more. What parts of the song reveal that to you? The idea of like going up the mountain and like you need to persist and persist and keep going until you get to oh oh oh, and then you get to the peak and like. Because with, with women, it's a lot of different experiencing sex and experiencing orgasm than men. And with women, there's a lot more intention that needs to be put into it in order to succeed to the same extent. It's not as superficial. It is very deep. It's intimate. Mm -hmm. And it you need to put work into it and to get like the same output. And I think this song really beautifully articulates that through music. It's a six-minute song. It's mm -hmm. one of the longer songs on the album. So it's really showing that. And it's so well paced. Oh, it's nice. like the yeah. best paced. My music nerd brain like goes crazy on the songs. It's like the, <laughs> the best paced arrangement because it's like constant moment and then like little time to breathe and then like new bigger moment and then like little time to breathe and then new bigger moment and then you're breathing but you're still already you pretty up there. Really like, like, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's how it works, man. The best part at the end is like the satisfaction and yeah. how yes. that whole journey was. And mm -hmm. like you get to the end of that and you're like, she like she's like like really giving that whole thing her all. And then at the end We're so happy. <laughs> <laughs> We're so happy. We love to <laughs> Yes. What do you think is the where is the peak in this song? Think of Oh no. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What a fuck! I feel like that song is so vocally impressive. Mm. Oh yeah, it's stupid. One of the most of this album. Yeah. Like. So after that one is mine. The melody. Um, I just think like it accomplishes so much being so just like low on her register, and it's such a. Um, it's minimal production, it's especially minimal production, for most of it. And it's also, it's not all that, like, funnily enough, it's not all that interesting melodically. Like, it's just so simple. And I think I just, I love the lyrics of just her sort of like, she went through what she went through with Jealous and then in Rocket, she's trying to hold on to whatever it is. Like she's, she's expressing her sexuality. And then mine, she's trying to like take back the like, wait, but no, you're not. Like, 
don't leave me any kind of thing. And I also felt like there was a line in it that I thought was so interesting, like going back to sort of like her taking ownership of him again. She said like, all these bitches are five when I'm at 10. So it's like her being like, you know, uh, like you're with all these fives, but like I'm me type of thing. And it's kind of like, she has like her power back. Whereas like some of the other songs, she felt a little bit insecure and you could tell a little bit that she was like feeling like, you know, I give you all this stuff and I'm this kind of person, but you're just what do you think was the purpose behind using Drake in this song? You would think that this song, or having Drake as a feature on this song, would have made it very popular. It didn't do very well. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not a very popular song from this album. It's sort of an afterthought. Nobody really knows about this song. Um, and it's literally featuring Drake, one of the largest artists. And I think that, I really think that was a purposeful collaboration, especially on this song, because his verse, like, really adds it so much. It really mattered to this song. You know that fun, like, lit-ass drink? In my feelings. In my, but he can also be in my feelings drink, yeah. you know? And I think mm. he played that part in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, he started off, like, his first album was very, like, in my feelings, and, like, he really... He was, like, initially in his career, it's interesting, it's taken such a turn, like, you really would go to Drake if you were feeling a type of way about your relationship, or you mm -hmm. were like, Marvin's room, you were sad, yeah, or you were so, like, sad way out. Really? <laughs> you would go to Drake for that. And now it's just sort of like, God's plan and my feelings, and it's so, like, commercial. And, like, you think of Drake and you think Billboard number ones and all that one dance and all that. So, yeah, I just think that for the time, this was, I just, but I think also, like, even though if this song had a pop form, it probably could have done way better because of the names on it. But this song is another example of a song that on this album that has like three sections that are quite different from each other. Slow piano intro, and then it goes into like this more rhythmic section, and then it goes into the rap. Yeah. And like, so that's probably a reason why it didn't do commercially well, but yeah. it's strategic in its own messaging to have those sections, I feel. Also the music it's video beautiful. in this, the video yeah, music fire. video yeah. is one of the most complex on the album. Like the whole, she mimics herself as, um, what's Mary, the mother, uh, what's the name of work? Madonna? Madonna, yeah, she like, <laughs> oh, yeah. As, as, like the Madonna. she's like, she's literally wearing like a, a like a veil mm -hmm. and it's very just sort of, and there's like a oh, child okay. in white. I wonder if that's related to, because did you guys notice that they kind of censor fuck? When Drake says, fuck what you heard on your own. It's like, yeah. it's it's like a little censor. Yeah. Fun. I wonder if it's related it's to that because she's pure and Madonna fun. or whatever. It's like S-U-H. Yeah. Fuck what you heard. There's no expressive K. K is far too aggressive. <laughs> it's like, that's what you heard. Of the whole alphabet? What did you say? Fuck what you heard. No, 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 we don't have energy for that right now. <laughs> From mine, we get to EXO. And EXO is another song written by Ryan Tedder. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about the song is that he wrote it when he was in Australia. And then he got like a note from Beyonce's people saying like, hey, she's looking for this type of song. And then he wrote the song completely separated from where her team was. And then he sent it over to her. 
Did you notice his background vocals in the song? Oh, I didn't. In EXO? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to it? Yes, I do. <laughs> Take us to it. So if you listen to the chorus, it's Baby love me lights up! Like that background vocal is him. And he probably like recorded it in his demo and they just kept it, which is just cool to think about. This song got a lot of backlash when it was first released. Because yeah, at the beginning of the song, you hear an airline um, footage or something like a command, whatever. And that was from, uh, I don't exactly remember, but like a crash, a very traumatic crash. And a lot of people said that it was very insensitive that she included that in the song because it didn't give credit to the lives that were dead, to the lives that died. And she didn't specifically call out that crash or something. It was very insensitive to include it. So actually, I remember like when that song was released, it was like, Oh wow. That's something that I thought was interesting is I'm gonna integrate into the conversation. Um uh, she she sang this for Kobe's Dinara. Yes. Oh. And she said this is one of like his favorite songs. And I never heard that first part and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so uncanny. Oh wow. Um Flawless is next. In regards to like the messaging of the whole song. Why, does she, why did she strategically choose to use a girl's time intro? I think it's really cool that it, so in the end of this, when it comes back, like they lose the, the yes. competition. Mm -hmm. But this whole song is like, her way. fuck you, I'm flawless. Like it doesn't matter anyway. Um, and so I think that's cool. Like a, a juxtaposition. Cool, yeah, it's a cool juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. One thing, and I mean, I think it's just part of going back to her roots. So she started off in Houston. And then right after girls time, it's I'm, I'm at that H town, shut it, shut it down. So like the group starting in Houston, it's um, just an homage to like her roots being from. I think mm -hmm. it's also like bringing back the theme of feminism, mm -hmm. like the, oh, the whole idea of even having that there and then going to the song about Flawless and she has this line, it's like, I'm not just a little wife. You know, she's like, I've I'm been on it. Yeah, I'm not just your little wife. Like I've been on and on about my marital problems with Jay-Z, but this is not like the entire- It doesn't define life. me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then like having Chimamanda Ngozi and Dichie in there is like feminist, like black power. Oh like, yeah. Like, yeah. you know. Well, mm -hmm. also I think that just now I'm not your little wife is also like bringing up what you were first talking about at the beginning of like Jay-Z when she first was in the relationship. Like he was the most famous one. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm not just his little, I'm not his background, mm -hmm. I am. I my own. I feel like it's like how she took him back after he cheated, and that like she's like I'm not weak for taking him yeah. back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is a really good track to hear after things like Partition, after Rocket, where you hear her take charge of her own sexuality as a woman. This song explores more of like your relationship with yourself as a woman as far as giving yourself the affirmation that you were taught to seek through external sources. Like she says in the song, like, um, I can't remember what the lyric is, but saying something like, you're taught to to seek out the affirmation through other oh, men. it was Chimamanda, mm -hmm. yeah. So like learning to give yourself that your own, like encouraging self-talk is such a difficult task and such like a development that like women need to grow into because we are taught to seek that through other sources. We aren't taught to give ourselves that same confidence that like 
we tell ourselves in the mirror, like, wow, you look fucking good. Like, we're, you're flawless today. And that's, it's really like, it's, it's her telling herself that like, yes, it's okay to say this to myself. It's okay to like, have this kind of positive relationship with myself and to like, boost up myself. Because yeah. we deserve that as women. I think it's a really cool transition off of what you were saying about not um, making sure that she wasn't feeling like she was weak for staying in this relationship. It's a really interesting choice to put it right after EXO, which to me is a very, like, it's a forgiveness song. Like, it kind of has that quality of, like, I'm looking through all of this shit that we've been through and, like, we're deciding together that it's going to continue to be a thing. And then right after she puts this song, and I think it kind of goes to the idea of, like, projecting strength and not that you're like doing it out of weakness kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I like what you were saying there. Like it, it sort of brings back like her self-titled album. Like it's her showing other people like, hey, you can be confident in yourself. Your name can mean so much to your story. And this is how much power you can have and that your story can have all these complications, but you can still produce this incredible story for yourself. And like similar and like just off of that like there's also such a simplicity to this song like it's just it's literally just saying like she started off at girls time and then look at where i like bow down to me like mm -hmm. i'm that bitch like i i'm beyonce i'm that what i'm that bitch i remember years ago like when this album came out i was looking i was just looking up uchi mamanda was and then like I got into her books and I, and I read one of her books in Americana and it's just like one of the things she said in the interview was like she didn't even know that she was going to be a part of the album until like right before it dropped like she was sort of like I don't want to become like commercialized in this way she sort of related like her because this was from a TED talk speech that she made about feminism um, and just more importantly, the role of race in feminism and what that means. And um, she was just, yeah, that was just an interesting context to get to like backstory of this mm. song. I would encourage you guys to look her up. She's a force to be right. So, following Flawless, we get to Superpower. Yes. Which personally is like my second. Least favorite oh, song. <laughs> and let me tell you why. I have a very specific reason why. And it's because for me, the song sits right there throughout. I did, I appreciate like what she does with it and how she, well, I'm, I, I feel like Frank Ocean wasn't fully used to like his full extent. When you listen to his other music, you hear his dexterity. I was excited that Frank Ocean was in it and then I listened to it and I was like, but for people who like the song, like it, what is it about it that you like? Maybe I just like her simple songs in this album. But I like her simple songs too, but like this one just sits here throughout. How dare you like go this? <laughs> like how dare you go drunk in love and then this off? Like, I love this. I can't one is very basic pop for me and the other just sits monotone. That was, she said that the sort of melody of this reminded her a lot of just sort of yeah. not melody. Melody's rock oh, production, yeah. maybe. Just like, like the backbeat feel of it, I guess. Yeah. I was thinking like of rock traditional R and B. 
the sound. It just sounds like acapella to me. Like, I love that. The, yeah. Sounds like that piano that like has like the doos, and you just like yeah. hit each one. Is this anyone's favorite? This is probably my favorite song. At least for similar reasons. Yeah, okay. This to me feels like an AR pick. We already have this message like three other times on this album. Do you think the album could have done without it? Yeah. I really think that she hasn't said what the What is she saying here differently than she is saying Well, I think that what she's saying is this relationship revolves the needs. We both need to work on this relationship, and both of our commitment is what makes superpower in this relationship. I feel like it's foreshadowing like a repair work that is like equal, has to be done. Yeah, you know? it's sort of saying like my commitment that I put into this relationship is Which what perhaps makes... you could make the argument that she has already said <laughs> but what I like when you're saying how like there's this reparation to be made between the both of them. Yeah. So in other pieces, she's using all her octaves. Yeah. Frank Ocean and Beyonce are both using their lower octaves. So they're both on this similar level of like, hey, we both need to work on this. I thought the world would. And both coming down, and they're also both re uh, repeating each other's yeah, message. I, I thought the world would move on, she repeats it. So they're like having this conversation together. Yeah. Do you like this song now? I like it more. <laughs> Still my second least favorite, but, but like when you think about it from like that context, it makes it a little more, it makes it a third least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. In that regard though, then maybe it is integral to the album. Because, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, but it's something that, you know, is very real. Part of the story. Part of, yeah. You could say that about a lot of relationships. It's like the least sexiest, but most important part of the album. Yeah. What I was gonna say is we can almost maybe compare this song with mine yeah. in the sense of like using mm -hmm. a big name artist, mm -hmm. similar structure in the sense of like using the other artist where you're- In the male form. In the male form, but also like vocally they're conversing with each other. Mm -hmm. Like when when she's when she's singing with uh, Drake, I just wanna say oh my oh my, they're singing that in unison. And then in this song they're singing in unison, but in a different way where they're like, mm -hmm. Uh, What's the musical term? Call and response. And then we get to heaven, which for me, silence. Vocally, vocally is, I think, the most impressive. One of the most impressive on No, most impressive on this. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself is the most impressive oh, yeah. no. performance. I don't think no. so. That's a different topic. Jack White crank through distortion But but the reason why Heaven is so impressive to me is because my favorite part of this song at least is when she goes, uh, what's the lyric again? It's Heaven couldn't wait for you. Heaven couldn't wait for you. It reminds me of one plus one. So in this one she goes, No, and she like builds yeah. with perfect time and one plus one, it reminds me of one plus one because in one plus one she goes, one equals two. Like she yeah. does that skyrocket and she does that similar in heaven. Just vocally, she paces herself so well and builds it so beautifully that it just, it wrecks me. Why were people so silent during it? Like what about the song made you it really just, want to a, listen into it? I think it's a really yeah. powerful lyric. She talked about yeah. it like that in the whole album, I felt like it was like kind of a, I'm trying to like, 
conversation a little bit. I don't know a lot about like local whatever, but um, <laughs> what? <laughs> when I was but when I was listening, I was kind of thinking like her voice sounded very like sobering, I guess, or just like a really like straight kind of like I don't know. And I feel like that was part of the reason also why I was just like felt very still. Yeah. So I liked that about it. I did love how silent and still the room yeah. That was really cool. Like he didn't want to move. And maybe it was also because superpower kind of put us to sleep. <laughs> Drag superpower. Drag superpower. What was the song before superpower? Flawless. In defense of superpower, now it kind of is almost a palate cleanser. Of if you had yeah. gone straight from flawless into yeah. heaven, like it would have been too fast yeah. for my mind to adjust. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Um, and maybe that's why they put that in there. Yeah. Transition song. More intentional. <laughs> no, I think Heaven is one of those songs that, like, when you talk about death, there's a certain level of sobriety and seriousness that you need to approach mm. a conversation mm. in a song like that. And that song dictates how you need to listen and how you need to feel about it. Not necessarily like the nuances of like how each Im- individual deals and processes death but it, it's a very universal feeling of like you know like every person that dies it feels like it was too soon every single one mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and i also feel like death is hard to talk about it's it can like it how you process death everybody processes it differently so i think that maybe that's a reason like having couldn't wait for you is repeated so much in the song because maybe there's just nothing else to say it's yeah. just yeah. that's sort of the emotion that goes along mm-hmm. and that's the, her processing yeah and it, there's this <laughs> there's this climax that goes within with her just saying having couldn't wait for you and she says it and it like and i think that also speaks to like when someone does experience death like for like as you've been saying like to process and then as you're watching someone else process, there's not much to be said. Nothing really can be said, yeah. right? So like the fact that lyrically it's just repetitive, the same yeah. things over and over again. It's like, what else? You know, she's not going nothing on like, more. there's yeah. nothing else here but yeah. this. Do you think this song can be interpreted for a relationship? Because that's what we said at the beginning. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking about. Like, heaven couldn't wait for you, not in the sense of like death, but like I'm repeatedly telling myself like, this didn't work out and I have to make terms that this sort of ended and that I have to learn how to cope with this. Mm-hmm. Like accepting that you are sad for what the current state of what Just is happening. Yeah. Yeah. What made you and like accepting it? that yeah. sadness. Yeah. What made you emotional about it? I mean, it's for me, a very little. sense of loss. It's no matter, not, I mean, not even just death could be mm-hmm. a person thinking about heartbreak mm-hmm. like what heartbreak can heaven can wait for you and just sort of like how it sort of sits there and just yeah. sort of it builds emotionally too and that just that feels like what it's like to be in heartbreak the sadness builds and like when she goes in those high notes that that is almost her like screaming it's like euphoric like the pain that it that of what it's like yeah. to be in heartbreak that's how i was interpreting it i think that that's really interesting that you interpreted that way like i think that that just goes to show like the different like that the song is so relatable you can interpret the feeling of loss like Carla said like in just almost about anything mm-hmm. right it doesn't have to be necessarily death but um I guess the reason why I immediately went to death I'm thinking about it now was just because I know that she had miscarried so like my mind automatically went there so I didn't even consider any other type of 
mm-hmm. for loss other than the death of her child. Yeah. And the prayer at the end makes a sense yeah. of like, there's a sense of finality to the song. Yeah, the Heavenly Father, like, hallowed be thy name. Like, and it, it, it ends with an amen. Like, you feel a sense of like, we have come to understand the circumstances that we are now dealing with, and it, it gives that sense of closure. Yeah. So I think it really leads the way well into accepting the like really intimate and exquisite joy that is new life mm. in blue. I was just gonna say that that That's, prayer. I love that. I loved exactly. how blue was right after heaven. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's like so sad, and then you're like. But that prayer can also be said when you're like dedicating your baby in a church. Uh-huh. So like yeah. it's almost yeah. using that prayer as like you can say it like when death is yeah. happening, but also like when you're dedicating a baby, yeah. like if you're religious yeah. to God. Yeah. And it's almost that perfect yeah. transition yeah. from death to Oh, well, and also like going back to the self-titledness of just Beyonce, mm-hmm. like she really she talks a lot a lot about her religious beliefs and even in in the homecoming documentary she talks about how close how she like has a conversation with god every day and like including that prayer or even whether it was for the for the reason of a dedication or whatnot like that was also probably just important to include the story of beyonce like what who she is I think it kind of like sums up the universality of that, uh, the emotions of that song. That's why so many people felt moved by it. And then Heaven leads us into blue. So it was filmed in Rio, and that's where she got the inspiration of this song. And you can get like a Brazilian vibe from the production of this song when it drops. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. When the Bossa Nova vibe comes in. That's amazing. That's so cool because right here, when like this drum comes boss. in, it's yeah. And this music video was filmed in, in Rio, beach. on the beach. The lyrics that hit me the hardest: "We can last forever, come on, baby, won't you hold on to me?" Because like that goes. That is a, a lyric that can go for anything. But like exactly, it just like brings back the whole relate. This album, I did this once. I listened to Beyonce full. I listened to Beyonce full and then Lemonade full right after. And going from this to what's the first track, Lemonade? Pray You Catch Me? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. It's just like hold on to me and then like I pray you catch me goes away. Oh, I know. Yeah. I so. I also feel like the hold on to me thing is like showing the unconditional love of a mother and like mm-hmm. we just had this whole album about like how complicated romantic relationships are and then there's this, this pure song about motherhood and nothing can come close to that like, yeah this is a totally different experience and like it, it's its own thing and all the other shit with your relationship doesn't have to come into mm-hmm. having a kid okay. yeah. experiencing that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes you bring back those like memories of when you were a little kid being with your mom and like having those precious like mother daughter moments. Like, oh, like I remember sitting in my mom's lap in the rocking mm-hmm. chair, like that kind of stuff. So it's kind yeah, of cool. I love how she like held on to that word, pun intended here, I guess, held on to that word hold on. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me, I held a, um, a one day old baby last week. Um, and it reminds me of that. It was the first time I've held like a newborn baby as uh, part of our training. And like, like the way that those like little tiny hands 
hold on to your finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so tight. And like that's like that's what she says. Like oh it's it's very literal it and it's like it's a it's yeah. a total oh, body experience. It's a, it's a great like motherhood. I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing like it. There's, there's nothing like it. It's just such a pure song. Like mm-hmm. no matter what you relate it to, it's just this pure feeling, feeling of connection and mm-hmm. beauty with someone and well, a want, a long for connection that deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a part in the song where like it also like dips to like a minor like. Mm-hmm. Oh, like it, Wait, what was that line? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just like curious, like love with that. I guess me. Just I mean, I think more interesting. Or? So that, but I think it also like when I think it adds a, an emotional level to what hold on means. Mm. Like she's holding on to that lyric. It almost sounds like a fault. Yeah. Like a little minor. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. every mother doubts themselves at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every mother drops a baby. What they don't have to think. Everyone does it. Everyone does. That's what I was told. Also, loving your children through their falls, right? Right. Yes. I really love this song for like just the pure, wholesome, like warm feeling of love for someone that completely loves you. Because that feeling is like unconditional love. Yeah. As adults, we're, it's a very natural feeling to doubt the love that you were given because of your own like self-doubt and because of your own insecurities. But for a child to love you so strongly and so obviously is so pure and like irreplaceable. Like every parent says like, to the left. Do you hear the word you just said? Can we talk about full circle? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's like it, it cannot, it can't be matched. It cannot be replaced. <laughs> Let me first say I love that we all contributed to such a very cool discussion. What I think is also cool is that like what we were talking about in blue compared to like what we were talking about in partition compared to what we're talking about in heaven compared to talk we're talking about in jealous we're all like hitting these different themes but overall talking about what the purpose was of beyonce as a self-titled album and i think it's really cool that we're all bringing in our own perspectives and our own connections with the album to sort of create what this album means as a whole to all of us and which is the purpose of this so thank you for contributing, because that's what makes the experience. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the first episode of My Friends of You Albums. Don't forget to follow MFRA on Instagram and subscribe to this channel on whatever streaming service you use. I'll have another episode coming out soon, but until then, I urge you to listen to Beyonce one more time, share this podcast on your socials, and leave a unanimously fabulous review if you feel so inclined to do so. And until then, I'll be back soon. Bye.